in the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. If you're having trouble viewing today, we are having trouble with our website. You can follow us on Facebook or on our YouTube channel where the broadcast is coming across correctly. Good morning and welcome to Mayflower Congregational Church and our live stream worship service. We're thrilled to be with you this morning in this holy virtual space. I'm Jonathan White, serving with my colleague, the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and leading worship today with our Chancel Choir Director, Scott Bosher, our Streaming Director, Pat McGuire, and our guest organist, Carol McNally. Thank you for being here this morning, Carol. Well, I hear that yesterday, Ali Houlihan and Ruth Bell Olson led a local mission team from Mayflower with, o- with over 20 members to help the New City Kids. The mission trip was a great success. The leadership of New City Kids said that they were thrilled with all the work and all the projects the Mayflower people got done. Uh, we're very glad that that project went well. Musically, we have some exciting days ahead. We formed a partnership with the Grand Rapids Symphony, and our upcoming worship services will feature members of the symphony, and you can also check them on our YouTube channel where we have special projects with music. We always have quite a bit of content on our social media pages, on our website, Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube channel. Now, I mentioned last week that I'm sad to say that we are still mourning the tragic death of Peter Coronius. Our prayers remain with Mary Ann, George, and the entire family. Peter's family wrote this week, Peter had an unmatched zeal for life. His principles and integrity represented an old-world style of worth and continuity seldom seen in today's world. He was generous and kind. He will be missed and forever loved. Marianne is flying back to Grand Rapids from California today. In her words to me, to bring my boy home. Let us pray for the Coronius family. Gentle God, may Mary Ann, George, and their family feel the presence and peace of Christ, and may they be wrapped in your ever-loving, everlasting arms. Amen. Life is so fragile and so precious. May we all feel God's blessing. Today we continue our series, Who Do You Say I Am? Exploring the nature of the Christ experience. And now, wherever you are, in Valparaiso, St. Paul, Woodstock, Georgia, East Grand Rapids, Ada, Cascade, in your vacation home or your vacation spot, 
in your cottage, in your living room, kitchen, with family and friends, or if you're alone, you're welcome here. This virtual worship experience is a sacred space where heaven and earth are joined together. In this place, God invites the poor and wealthy, the sick and healthy, the lost, the lonely, and the grieving. It is God's space. So no matter your stage of faith, you're always welcome here. It's Sunday morning, and it's time for church. Please join me in the call to worship as we prepare our spirits for our worship time together. Come, all you who are happy, laughing and singing in joy. Come, all you who are struggling, weary and lost. Come, all you who are settled in your faith. Come, all you who doubt and search for meeting. Come, all you who are crippled with pain and suffering. Come to worship a God who heals your pain. Come worship a God who gives you forgiveness. Let us worship God, a God who sets us free and who gives us new life. Come and worship. Let us pray. 
O God, who is greater than the most powerful forces in this world, enable us to be still and know that you are God. O Lord, who answers out of the whirlwind of everyday life, breathe in us your Holy Spirit to strengthen, comfort, and guide us in the midst of the storm. O still, small voice, speak to us in this hour that we might become makers of your peace in our homes, in our communities, in our nation, and in our world. We pray all this in the name of the one who welcomed all to your realm, even those outside of Israel. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Reading from Matthew. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She answered, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
came to Jesus from outside the fold. Canaanite woman, persistent and bold, looking to Jesus she wanted to see, one who would help her and set her child free. Claiming a blessing, a touch of God's grace, she knew God's love was not bounded by place. Jesus, you listen, debated, then healed. For in her asking, her faith was revealed. God, you still bless those who seek you in prayer. You welcome dreamers who faithfully dare. In Christ now risen, your mercy extends. Those on the outside are welcomed as friends. Our second scripture reading comes from the book of Isaiah. Chapter 56, verse 1, then skipping ahead to verses 6 through 8. From Isaiah, thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Skipping ahead to verse 6. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar." My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcast of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those who are already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For God is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture, the flock under God's care. Holy One, this morning we kneel before you in worship and acknowledge that you are the Lord, the Son of David, and we need your mercy. Help us. Help us to be desperate for you and help us in our desperation to become people of great faith. We love and adore you. Amen. 
Well, last month, the Orbans got a puppy. Some of you know Susan Orban. She's one of the leaders of our faith formation team. And their family is very involved in the ministries here at Mayflower. Well, they got a yellow lab puppy named Finn. And Finn is very cute. I know many of you have pets that you're quite attached to. Last night, Jeff and I were on a walk and we passed the Huffs training their beagle. I often see Doug Condon walking his dog Buddy around East Grand Rapids. Patty Seenstra has a rescue dog she's very attached to. And some of you post your photos of your dogs on Facebook. Some of you take your dogs on vacation. (laughs) We have a neighbor who has a dog voice where he speaks in conversation as if he is his dog. That's fun. Clearly, we love our non-human companions. Last year, Americans spent over $95 billion on their pets. So you can take your dog to a dog spa. You can take your cat to a cat resort. You can buy premium human-grade pet food. There's a growing market for investors in pet health care. Critics of this trend might attest that people are pouring energy and resources into their pets that should be extended to each other. Is the trend of humanization of our pets to the detriment of actual humans? Maybe. Or is this trend a healthy and beautiful one as we honor all of God's creation? Maybe. Pets can certainly be wonderful companions and bring great joy to our lives. And puppies, specifically, garner a smile on just about anyone's face. The phrase, puppies and rainbows, is defined in the Urban Dictionary as non-confrontational, agreeable to everyone. As in, who doesn't love puppies and rainbows? Well, the Bible has some very interesting verses about puppies and dogs. And they definitely do not align with terms like non-confrontational and agreeable. In the book of Revelation, dogs are lumped in with sorcerers, the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. David pleads in the Psalms, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. One proverb reads, Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Perhaps Ecclesiastes is a bit more encouraging. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. That's safe to say that dogs throughout scripture do not have a universally positive connotation. And many of these verses are downright weird. As we turn to today's text in Matthew, this weirdness actually continues. Would Jesus really insinuate that a pleading mother is like a dog? If we back up a bit in the book of Matthew to chapter 14, we see that Jesus has just learned that Herod brutally slaughtered John the Baptist. 
Jesus then tries to withdraw to a solitary place. But instead, he finds a crowd waiting for him. He ends up feeding this crowd of 5,000 plus. Next, he tries to evade the masses by getting in a boat. Here he ends up walking on water and giving Peter a lesson in faith. Getting out of the boat, he is again besieged by crowds. This time they bring all of their sick, and Jesus heals them. Are you tired yet? Whew, this is quite a schedule for one guy. And as we begin chapter 15 in Matthew, the Pharisees are scrutinizing Jesus' take on clean and unclean. Then Jesus proceeds to try to explain parables to his disciples, which they don't get. And he leads, that leads him to question them, are you still so dull? Again, are you feeling kind of tired? If we believe that Jesus is fully divine and fully human, we can imagine that in his humanity, he is exhausted. So our passage this morning in Matthew begins with Jesus withdrawing, yet again, to a place called Tyre and Sidon. It was becoming increasingly hard for him to retreat from the public eye. Tyre and Sidon were Roman port cities, Gentile cities, areas that would have been considered unclean to the Jews. So perhaps Jesus thought these cities would be good hiding spots. So here we see a possibly exhausted Jesus in a potentially hostile place. And what happens? A Canaanite, non-Jewish woman starts following him and shouting at him. Well, the term Canaanite is loaded with biblical meaning. There were no Canaanites living in the first century. So this label was a historic reference to a people group long despised by the Jews. So this label would have evoked age-old prejudices. So Jesus has been found, found by a woman, an outsider, and someone the Jews would not have embraced. And she is persistent, and she is loud. So Jesus initially ignores her. The disciples go so far as to tell him to send her away because they're so annoyed. Then Jesus tells her that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, i.e., not her. This passage is often described as unsettling, troubling, or even scandalous. Jesus ignores the woman, then he disregards her request. Then he appears to insult her with his phrase about taking the children's bread and giving it to the dogs. Did he just call her a dog? Is Jesus a jerk? How could our precious Lord and Savior respond in such a way to a desperate mother? What's wrong with him? Well, there are a couple of ways we can look at this. Perhaps we are seeing the full humanity of Jesus. He's tired. He's being hounded by people all day and night with their needs and wants. Maybe he's hangry. He needs a snack and a nap. This would be so humanly understandable. Perhaps he is mirroring the attitudes of his culture. This woman was not respecting boundaries, and boundaries to the Jews were very important. As a human and a Jew, maybe we are getting a tiny window into the Jesus that is flesh and blood, 
full of complexity and being human and being part of a cultural context. Or maybe we can glean an understanding of the Jesus that's clever. He's human and real and witty. The term dogs was a common one for Jews to use for Gentile and pagan people. Was Jesus using this common term as a contrast to his ideas about Gentiles? Was Jesus using such a horrible term to shame the the disciples for their dismissal of this woman? Was he trying to expose how silly this was? Was Jesus being sarcastic? This phrase Jesus uses, it is not right to take the children's bread and feed it to the dogs, was a proverb that both Jesus and the woman would have been familiar with. Something like, a penny saved is a penny earned. The rabbinic way of teaching is this back-and-forth kind of banter. So perhaps this was a way Jesus was connecting with the woman. He started the proverb, and she finished it. Or was Jesus employing a riddle? If I call you a dog, how do you react? There are many, many places throughout the Gospels where Jesus employs creative phrases and uses word choices to turn an idea on its head. It's possible that this is one of those instances. If we look at the bigger picture of Jesus and his life, the theme of inclusion is repeated over and over again. He is constantly including people in his kingdom that the Jews and others have rejected. Hence why this story stands out so much. Jesus appears to be exclusionary to this Canaanite woman, and this feels disingenuous. So this should compel us to look for deeper meaning and significance. What are we missing? What are some other ways to look at this narrative? Is there something very contemporary in this passage about how we perceive those who are different? As stated in this story, we see a very human Jesus. Perhaps we see ourselves, too. How do we feel when we are tired and spent and someone outside of our normal circle wants something from us? Or how do we feel in general about people outside of our normal circle? One commentator writes, We know very well the tendency to define and fear an other on the basis of skin color, nationality, class, or creed, deeply ingrained stereotypes that go back generations or even centuries. We resent being bothered by the concerns of those people. We have our own children to care for when they persist insisting on equal treatment and justice for their children, we resort to racial slurs and insults. And we are very good at justifying our actions rather than admitting the prejudice that persists. The story is about Jesus, and in Jesus we see the very best of human potential in relationships with others, even those we avoid and fear. We see in Jesus the possibility of perceiving common humanity where we could only see difference. Is Jesus, in these verses from Matthew, breaking down the solid walls of prejudice to demonstrate what it looks like to be part of the human family? 
Wait, but didn't this story start out with Jesus ignoring her, then justifying his lack of empathy? Yet, the story ends with Jesus doing what she asked and praising her faith. One writer thinks that Matthew is crystal clear about one thing. Whatever it means to be the son of David, it somehow involves having your mind changed. But in order to change your mind, you have to put yourself in situations that call for change. In our North American context, many of us are slowly awakening at last to the vast scope of our social and economic privilege. It can be unsettling to realize that racism, sexism, and all the rest are not always the result of bad intentions or explicit bias. Sometimes we are clueless in our complicity. What will we do with this uncomfortable realization? This writer continues, The temptation might be to withdraw and insulate ourselves as much as possible from exposure to situations in which we might inadvertently say or do the wrong thing. Perhaps in Jesus' dangerous detour into the district of Tyre and Sidon, we can recognize a challenge to risk the uncomfortable transformations that come when we make ourselves vulnerable to new people and situations. One possibility is to consider that the inclusive and demanding message of the kingdom arose, at least in part, organically, through meaningful encounters between Jesus and the people he met. Hmm. Is this story a vibrant and uncomfortable picture of how we can be transformed? If I never encounter someone who is unlovable, how will I learn what true love is, the kind that embraces enemies? How will I ever understand God's love for all humanity if I limit my scope to those that look and think like I do? One thing we know is that relationships transform us. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, if we let them. What is interesting in this story, too, is what the disciples are doing. They've been hanging out with Jesus and watching him perform miracles and give lessons. Yet when the Canaanite woman is begging for her daughter's healing, they're annoyed. She's disrupting their guys' night. So did the disciples need transformation? Did Jesus use this encounter to illustrate for them how inclusive his kingdom is? Does this passage reveal that the Canaanite woman may have had a better grasp of who Jesus is than the disciples did? Her greeting of calling him the son of David is an immediate recognition of Jesus' kingship. And thus far, the disciples have been a bit slow to see this. Does God often use non-Christians or people outside of the church to help us see Jesus better? or perhaps to reveal our lack of inclusion. Are outsiders really, truly outside? In this text, we see Jesus as fully human, yet we also see in his healing and miraculous power his full divinity. The Canaanite woman recognizes the power in even the crumbs of what God can do. In her desperation, she cries out for the mercy of God. And the words we read this morning from the book of Isaiah, 
there's an echo of this. She loved and believed God. She was given joy and was included in the house of prayer for all nations, gathered close to the heart of God. God's mercy is not a zero-sum game. This question, if mercy is given to the dogs, will there be any for the children? This is the wrong question. There is always enough. Bread and crumbs for everyone. There is no limit to the mercy of Christ. It's critical to note that the woman kneels before Jesus. She recognizes his divinity and his kingship. She understands the power he has. The crumbs that she will settle for, oh, they have power. She knows this. Even a tiny piece of God's power is enough to transform, to heal, to reconcile. So there are a few questions for us to ponder this morning. Are we desperate for the living Christ in our lives? Do we believe there's power even in the crumbs? The story ends with healing. Do we need healing? Do we need physical or emotional or spiritual healing? Or do we, like the disciples, need healing from our prejudice? How desperate are we for this kind of healing? How desperate are we to see others as God sees them? And how might this change our lives? How might this change our world? Theologian Jennifer Benjamin Brooks writes, In accepting the Gentile woman, Jesus gives vision to a new society that recognizes both the diversity and the inclusivity that God demonstrated in the creation of human beings. In making all human beings in the image of God, God gave us equality, not with God, but with each other. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, equality and inclusion of all people. This sounds agreeable, doesn't it? Maybe kind of like puppies and rainbows. In the name of the creator, sustainer, and redeemer, amen. This morning's anthem is an arrangement of the hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour. It was composed by Annie Hawkes in 1872, and this being our second hymn this morning, composed by a female writer. Annie Hawkes wrote over 400 hymns throughout her lifetime, I Need Thee Every Hour being her most known and most loved. So many of the hymns of our Christian faith are given birth from turning points in life. But Annie wrote later that, I need thee every hour, came out of her routine and pattern of day-to-day life as she raised her three children and took care of her home. In her own writing later, she wrote, One day, as a young wife and mother of 37 years, I was busy with my regular household tasks during a bright June morning. Suddenly, I became so filled with a sense of the nearness to the Master that wondering how one could live without him, either in joy or pain. And then these words were ushered into my mind, the thought once taking full possession of me, 
I need thee every hour. This morning's anthem is a hymn arrangement, but if you opened up our hymnal at Mayflower and looked at the hymn, and we were to sing as a congregation all five verses, we together, collectively and individually, would have said, I need thee 20 times. God longs for us to cast our worries on him, and this hymn gets at the heart of that. Finally, following the death of her husband much later in life, Annie Hawks wrote this. I did not understand why this hymn had touched the great throbbing heart of humanity. It was not until long after, when the shadow fell my way, the shadow of great loss, that I understood something of the comforting power of words which I had been permitted to give birth to and out to others in this sweet hour of serenity and peace. O God, I need thee every hour. In the age of COVID-19, the work and ministry of Mayflower goes on, even though we're worshiping through the power of electricity and photons flowing through the air. Ministry takes resources. Now is the time when we pause and reflect on the generosity of God and how we can respond to that generosity in a similar spirit. All we have comes from above. God helps us to hold lightly to our possessions and tightly to the things that really matter. Our love for God, our love for our families, our love for one another. As we prepare for today's offering, please know there are many ways you can give. You're welcome to give by mail. You're welcome to give, stop by the church and give a gift. There's a locked box on our portico. You're encouraged to give online through the link uh, in our email a bulletin. You can also give on our website or by texting the word GIVE to the number 616-344-6255-616. Three four four six two five five. The ongoing ministry of Mayflower in this time of pandemic depends on your generosity. Thank you. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can be. 
my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Let us pray. We praise you, Lord, for your unending love and your provision. Your care and concern for us is tremendous. We lift up our gifts, our tithes, our offerings to you, and pray that they are a blessing on our community, our nation, and beyond as we seek to serve and worship you with all our hearts. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now we'll continue worshiping with our congregational prayer. We'll begin with a time of silent reflection. And then we'll move to the spoken word. So, at this moment, at this place, at this time, let us journey to the center. Let us recognize the ubiquitous presence of our Creator in silence. Come to the Holy. In silence, come to the Sinner. In silence, let us pray together. 
gracious God, we are the church, united as we pray from different locations, connected through something more marvelous than the technology, connected through your spirit, filling us with hope and vision. We come first of all with thanksgiving, thanking you for the many kindnesses we have experienced, thanking you for reaching out in this time of social distancing, of old friends reconnecting, of some households learning about togetherness, of others learning new, quieter rhythms. Thank you for the things that sustain us, for the beauty of music, for the summer season, which is lifting us to a promise of new life. Even as there is much to be thankful for, we come together to lament. This virus has caused so much loss of life around the world. So many suffer, so many families grieve, and we don't know when it will end. We lament the financial burdens of this pandemic. And we lament that it has fallen heavily upon the poorest, with inequality standing out more sharply than usual. Racism is one of the roots of injustice. There are those among us who suffer because of racism. And there are those among us who haven't thought about racism because it does not seem to affect us. As we work on solving health problems, help us to build a society that addresses all injustice. Come to the waves, come to the wind, Jesus whispers, peace be still. Come to our hearts, fear 
at an end in stillness hear his voice we continue to pray for a vaccine for this virus Give insight to researchers, cooperation among companies and nations, so that all can benefit through scientific breakthroughs. Give wisdom to our politicians, people who are making difficult decisions about how and when to modify social distancing. Help them to find the balance between opening our economy and safeguarding public health. Keep us healthy and help us care for each other as we make choices about who to see and how many we should see at a time. Help us refrain from judging each other just as we do not want to be judged by others. Jesus, walk with us this week. We trust in you because you have been with us showing us the faithful paths in good times and bad. And you will be with us, come what may. And now hear us as we pray. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. Come with your realm. Come with your will. Do on earth as you do in heaven. Give all today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we are already forgiving those who have sinned against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the holy realm, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Accept each other as Christ accepted us. Teach us as sister, brother, each person to embrace. Be present, Lord, among us and bring us to believe. We are ourselves accepted and meant to Love and live. Teach us, O oh Lord, your lessons as in our daily life we struggle to be human and search for hope and faith. Teach us to care for people. For all and not just some, to love 
them as we find them, or as they may become. Let your acceptance change us so that we may be moved in living situations to do the truth in love, to practice your acceptance until we know by heart the table of forgiveness and laughter's healing art. And now, my equal and included siblings in Christ. May you be challenged to pursue justice and do what is right. May you find healing in every sense of the word. And may you encounter the living Christ, both in his humanity and divinity. And through this power, may you never be the same. Amen.